Well, if you have your Bible today, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21, uh, we're finishing up a series called The Ministry of Jesus. And today's the title of the message today is called A Prophetic Parade. Now, everybody uh, likes a parade. Now, listen, if you're from Citrus County, this county... Uh, in its history, has more parades than any other county, okay? I mean, we parade over everything, okay? Lots of parades. And matter of fact, a few years ago, uh, uh, Inverness was voted the most patriotic city in the United States. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I know, I know. I mean, that's, that's amazing. But, uh, you know, there's a parade for a lot of different things. And, and, and what most people don't know about Palm Sunday is Palm Sunday is a celebration of a parade. It's not just a, it was a parade celebrating someone, but today for us, we are celebrating the parade that was celebrating someone. Do you understand that today is a celebration? And I believe it's a prophetic celebration, that it is speaking something to us. It speaks a truth to us that we are to embrace. It's how we are to to carry this ministry of Jesus in our lives in a meaningful way that brings about a regional change that actually transforms families and schools and transforms neighborhoods. This is what everything is about, is actually seeing the kingdom of God come and touch this place in a meaningful way. So today, we're going to... Take a closer look at what this prophetic parade called the triumphal entry is really all about and what it can teach us and what we can grab hold of today. So if you have your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 21. If you have the Bible app, you can actually go to calvary.online, click today's message. The whole, all the notes will come up right in your phone. Matthew 21, we're going to begin in verse 1. It says this, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to uh, Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying, go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, All the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Now, this uh, is traditionally called the triumphal entry. It is uh, 
a grand parabolic announcement that Jesus is the promised Messiah and King. Uh, Jesus did it specifically this way. He wanted this moment to tell a story to all of Jerusalem. But as we look at this today, I believe it's telling us a story for our day. He wanted a story to be told to Jerusalem, and I believe today the Holy Spirit wants a story to be told to us by this prophetic parade. So let's look a little closer at this and say, okay, God, what are you speaking to us today about this triumphal entry? Well, first thing you need to know about this is that it was a parade of willingness, It was a parade of willingness. Now, not only was it a parade of of Jesus being willing to be identified as king, but there is a willingness that unfolds that's very special in this story. In verse 2, Jesus said, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately... He will send them. Now, we know that that is exactly what happened. There is an odd moment for this family that is not even named within the scripture. This odd moment is they're just going through their day. They're just taking care of whatever they're taking care of at this moment. It's Passover, perhaps they're, they're readying themselves for this, this great festive moment where, where Jews will be assembling in, in Jerusalem and they're, they're making everything ready and then suddenly there was a knock at the door. And it's a disciple of Jesus. Now, when the disciples of Jesus show up, you probably think, wow, what are they going to ask me for? This is probably going to be so super significant. They're probably going to, they're going to ask me to give some extravagant amount and then that's going to be used. Or perhaps maybe, maybe there's going to be a symbolic lamb that's given since this is now Passover time. So maybe they're going to ask for a lamb. No, no, no. No, they knocked on the door and said, we'd like your donkey. The donkey? You want my donkey? Some of y'all right now are thinking in King James. I know you are. Stop it. Stop it. Jesus wants your donkey. (laughs) I just said what you're thinking. I'm prophetic. I can hear it. Uh, And... A donkey, really? This thing that we just we just been kind of feeding and taking care of, and it's 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 useful from time to time, but it's a donkey, and now it has a foal, which you know this thing is untrained. It's not really good for much. You come here and you knock on this door, and you're asking me for a donkey. Matter of fact, if you read in other depictions, they actually show up and they don't even ask; they just start to to loosen it. And uh, the people are like, what are you doing? Anybody ever have God do that to you before? He's like, uh, God, God, uh, what are you doing? It, it's like you're taking over. 
And so here, here, here it is. Jesus' disciples asking for a donkey. Now listen to me. The hinge of history swung on the yes of a donkey owner, and we don't even know their name. They just had a willingness to give whatever he asked for. They said, take it. If he needs it, take it. It seems small. Why are you asking for the donkey and the foal of a donkey? By the way, here we see there are two animals. We see the mother, which was probably there. Jesus rode the foal of the donkey, the one that had never been ridden before. It was probably both animals are taken because the mother actually comforted the smaller one, which had never been ridden before. So they take two of them together so the one doesn't run off acting all crazy. At least that was their thought. And so that, they, they take both of them. And they have this parade. Here's what I want you to see. Never underestimate the power of your simple yes to God. Never underestimate the power of your simple yes to God. There was a, these Christian businessmen in Charlotte, North Carolina in the 1930s. They were coming together. And they, they saw the condition of their city. And they said, as Christian businessmen, we see this city is failing. We need revival in this city. So what these Christian businessmen begin to do is they begin to pray in the, uh, the various, uh, various locations connected to the different businessmen who were in that city. And there, there came a day where they decided to go to the dairy farm to pray. How many of you know that was a stinky prayer meeting? <laughs> and they were doing what they had normally done before. Praying for revival in their city that God would, would do something supernatural. But that day, a newspaper salesman named Vernon Patterson, prayed a prayer that they had not yet prayed before. And they say, they say, he looked at the other men and said, listen, we've been praying for revival in Charlotte, but I feel like God wants me to pray that God would raise up a man from Charlotte that would bring the gospel all around the world and release revival. Well, that may sound like a grand prayer to pray, and they prayed it that day on the dairy farm. And in the barn doing chores on that dairy farm was a young man named Billy Graham, 15 years old and rebellious against God. And by the way, when they prayed the prayer, nothing happened. Billy just kept being the rambunctious, slender 15-year-old that he was. But six months later, Dr. Mordecai Ham came to Charlotte at the instruction of God to come and preach revival tent meetings in Charlotte. And, and Billy felt compelled to go. And it was in that meeting that he would surrender to God. Listen, nobody knows Vernon Patterson. 
Nobody knows the newspaper salesman that bowed a knee on a dairy farm and cried out, God, raise up a man that would take revival around the nation. Listen, church, you cannot underestimate the power of your yes to do what God is asking you to do. When God says pray, you need to pray. When God says give, you need to give. When God says send, you need to send. Never underestimate the power of your yes. Both of these men played a vital role in Billy Graham's salvation. And perhaps you need to hear this today. Your small yes in the hands of Jesus can change the world. This day is a celebration of willingness. But the triumphal entry, it was also a a parade of fulfillment. Now this should give every person here great confidence and faith. Matthew 21, 4 says, All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now this is a quote of Zechariah 9. In Zechariah 9.9, the prophet speaks of a future king presenting himself to Jerusalem while riding on a donkey. This foreshadowed something. Zechariah's prophecy comes 500 years before the event. 500 years before. And as explained in the multiple stories of this event in the Gospels, This was the moment where Jesus was presenting himself as the Messiah and King. There's a man named Alfred Edersheim, a Christian Jew who lived in the 1800s. He studied ancient rabbinical writings. And he wrote a book called The Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah. He wrote this about Zechariah 9. He said, The messianic application of this verse in all its parts has already been repeatedly indicated. We may here add that there are many traditions about this donkey on which the Messiah is to ride. And so firm was the belief in it that according to the Talmud, if anyone saw a donkey in his dreams, he will see salvation. Do you understand that they're like, if you dream about a donkey, because they believe this was so much connected to the salvation of Israel and the coming Messiah. They said, if you dream about a donkey, you're going to see salvation. What is this saying? Saying 2,500 years ago. 500 years after Zechariah prophesied it, Jesus fulfilled Zechariah 9 in every exacting detail. It was saying this, it was always God's plan to send a Savior. It was always God's plan to send a King. It was always God's plan to rescue broken humanity. Now listen to me. And you are in that plan. You are in that plan. 
So when he sends him, announcing him as Savior and King, he is announcing not only to Jerusalem, but to all the world and those who would come after, Jesus is Messiah, the anointed one of God sent to save and to heal and to rescue. It is a parade of fulfillment. But I want to give you one kind of final thought that the triumphal entry, really, uh, if you miss this point, you miss the whole spirit of the day when it unfolded. The triumphal entry was a parade of praise. It was a parade of praise. Notice what it says in Verse 8 and 9, it says, and, and a very great multitude spread their clothes on the roads. Others cut down branches from the trees, spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now, how did they praise here? I'm going to give you a couple of different ways that you probably, uh, we're not familiar with culturally, okay? The first way they praised uh, Jesus is by laying their clothes down on the road. Now, this is not something that we do. We tell our kids, you know, don't get your clothes dirty. So we don't, we don't really connect with this whole idea of laying down our clothes when someone is important is coming. So we probably need help from Scripture to understand why in the world are these people laying their clothes down before Jesus who is coming on a donkey. Well, in order to find out uh, why they're doing it, you have to go back to the Old Testament, 2 Kings, to a moment where Elisha has sent a messenger to anoint the new king of Israel. His name at that time was Jehu. He was given specific instructions. Jehu was a mighty commander in the army. And he goes into this, this room filled with leaders and he pulls Jehu aside and he anoints him with oil and runs out of the room. Um, and I, I believe he ran out of the room because the first thing, what is spoken of Jehu, it says he rode furiously. He rode furiously. This man Jehu would take down Jezebel. And this is not a message about Jehu and Jezebel. But if it was, man, I could preach you happy. Because God is raising up some Jehus. But today, what happens next in 2 Kings? When all of these leaders see that Jehu has been elevated to the kingship, this is what happens. 2 Kings 9, 13, it says, Then in haste, every man of them took his garment and put it under him on the bare steps, and they blew the trumpet and proclaimed, Jehu is king. They're all leaders. So they take their mantle. They take what's covering them. Symbolically, everything that they have been gifted, everything that they possess, all of who they are, all of the, the leadership they have in their life, they take it off and they throw it down before Jehu and they say, we give our mantle for your mantle. 
And now we walk this forward to the moment when Jesus is coming into, into Jerusalem and they are throwing clothes down. What are they saying in this moment? They say, oh, everything God you have mantled me with, I throw down before your Messiah. Why? Because Jesus is king. Jesus is king. And I want to tell you, church, I tell you, we need to learn how to praise God unreservedly, to take the mantle off that God God has blessed us with everything that he has placed upon us, the influence, the giftings, the finances, everything, and lay it down before him and say, Jesus is king. This is the way you praise. It's by casting the garment of your life down and say, you're the anointed one raised up to bring salvation. Jesus is king. My mantle to bless your mantle. What did they do next? They, they waved and laid palm branches. Now, this in Leviticus chapter 23 is connected to uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. And, um, and what they did in this moment, the palm branch, without me going into all of the details, I'll just simply say this. It was connected to this one word, rejoice. And the word rejoice means to be grateful for God's undeserved favor. That's what it means. It means to be grateful for God's undeserved favor. And so what they did is they just took these branches, which are waved as a sign of victory that they didn't bring themselves. And they lay them down and say, God, we are thankful for your undeserved favor, which you are bringing through the king. This day is how we are to praise we are to praise by laying the mantles of our life down and by, by, by saying, God, we give you thanks for the undeserved favor that rests upon our life because of the presence of Jesus. But there is one other element on this day of this prophetic parade. They cried out loudly. I got one. <clears throat> I know some of y'all been to a bunch of churches that don't allow this parade. But you happen to be in one now that expects every Sunday to be a parade where we cry out. I know some of you are way too dignified for this week. <laughs> You're like, oh, that is just not our tradition. <laughs> I don't care about your tradition. I care about honoring him the way he deserves to be honored. I care that God would raise up a church in this hour who cares more about what God thinks than what other people think. Where we will be come out from under the influence of the opinion of man. And oh, we're going to come into what it means to come into the praise of God. Do you know there's a praise that comes from God to his people who give him unreserved worship? I love it. I love it. Charles Spurgeon, the great theologian, you know. Because there's lots of people that just claim what, what is going on. It's just a bunch of, you know, emotionalism. 
I love Charles Spurgeon and his statement about revival and God's presence. He said, it's the mark of Christ's presence when the church becomes enthusiastic. We sometimes hear complaints about revivals being too exciting. Perhaps the censure is deserved, but I would like to see a little of the fault. This age does not generally sin in the direction of being too excited concerning divine things. We have erred so long on the other side that perhaps a little excess in the direction of fervor might not be the worst of all calamities. At any rate, I would not fear to try it. Hey, church, why don't we just try it right now? Why don't we just lift up a praise to Jesus? Jesus, we love you! Jesus! We love you. Come on, lift your voice. Jesus, we celebrate you, King of kings and Lord of lords. On this day, we cry out to you, oh God. We give you praise today. We give you praise today. Oh, we need to know what they were crying out on that day. Do you know what they cried out? They first cried out, Hosanna. You know what that is? That's save now. Save now. Save now. All the streets of Jerusalem were, were rocking with the shouts of the crowd saying, save now. I wonder if God won't raise up a church in Citrus County that would let the streets reverberate with the sound that says, Jesus, save now. Not another suicide. Not another murder. Not another drug overdose. God, save now. Save Save now! Save now! They cried out, not only save now, they cried out, Son of David. They cried out, Son of David. Why is this important? Because this was saying, you're the only one. You're the promised one. We're not looking for another Savior, not another way. We're not looking to work this out somehow. We don't need a religious philosophy. We need the one who is sent and anointed by God. And Jesus, you are the promised Savior. And I believe what God is saying to us today is that we need a church that is convinced that Jesus is the Savior. That Jesus is the healer. That Jesus is King. The last element of praised begins it says blessed notice that word blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord blessed this was saying you are the only one favored by god to deliver us you're the only one anointed by god to bring us out of our bondage do you, do you remember when this is all happening passover And they they were in this moment remembering that God in times past had said to his people, get in your house and apply the blood of the lamb to your house. And if you'll apply the blood of the lamb to your house, death will pass over. And here in in the readying of Passover, thinking about the blood of the lamb, all of a sudden they see the king and Messiah coming and they're like, blessed. Is he 
That's the lamb. That's the one. He's the one that if we'll apply the blood of the lamb to our house, death will pass over. It is that kind of praise that God intends in this hour to, to, to elevate in this region, in this nation, all around the world. Listen, there is a triumphant entry day after day after day to all who open their hearts to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, fling wide the gates of your heart. Why? Because there is a conquering King, one who gave his life to pay the price for your sins, who will come in and transform you, rescue you, change you, and make all things new. He will come in. He is the Savior. He is blessed. He is the Son of David, the only one sent from God to save. Church, he's worthy of our praise. Church, listen to me on this Palm Sunday. I pray some people would take off their mantles. Much like that time before Jehu, just say, Jesus, this is for you. This is for you. God, I, I take everything that you've given to me. And I rejoice because I, I don't deserve it. And I am going to raise the volume of my life in praise of who you are and what you have done. This is what we celebrate today in the triumphant entry of Jesus into the world that so desperately needed.